This morning is a unique moment in uh, the life of our church. One, because we're starting a new series this morning that will run right through the summer uh, on practicing the way of Jesus uh, and learning to live as Jesus lived. Uh, but it's also a unique Sunday because this is uh, my last Sunday with you for a while. Tomorrow, uh, our family is taking a step back and taking our first sabbatical, uh, which is exciting for us, uh, but also presents some, you know, some unique opportunities and some unique challenges for us and uh, for you guys as a community. Uh, about a year and a half ago, the elder team approached me, and during, it was during my annual review, so once a year I sit down with the elders, they kind of do, uh, I don't know, almost like a performance review. Hey, what's going well? Uh, where are some areas of growth? Uh, you know, how are things looking in terms of you know, salary and whatever else? All of that is kind of uh, in the hands of the elders. And uh, during my, that review a year and a half ago, they said, hey, um, what do you think about uh, you and your family taking a sabbatical in a year and a half uh, from now? And just taking a few months to step back and reset and, and be filled and seek the Lord in a fresh way. And uh, I like to say that I prayed about it for about 30 seconds uh, and then was like, yes, yes, okay, yes, we want that. Uh, we would love to do that. Uh, and so a year and a half later, uh, here we are sort of on the brink of that sabbatical, uh, which technically starts uh, tomorrow. Uh, and so during these next few months, we're going to be uh, stepping back from the life of the church in an intentional way to uh, spend time in silence and solitude and to seek the Lord. Uh, and we uh, essentially over these next few months, we will be going on a threefold journey uh, between tomorrow when it starts and September 1st when we return. Uh, and that journey, generally speaking, uh, can be outlined in three different movements. Uh, the first third of the sabbatical, our plan or our goal is to um, focus on healing and restoration from the past. Uh, the middle third of our sabbatical, the focus will be um, being present to God and to one another as a family in the present moment. And the third a segment of our sabbatical is going to be focused on receiving and discerning sort of fresh dreams and fresh vision uh, for the future. Lord, who do you want us to be? Who do you want us to become? How do you want us to serve? Uh, what's life going to look like? Uh, what do you want us to lean into as we move forward? And I think all three of these uh, movements are important, and all of them take time. Uh, as of this year, I've been a full-time pastor for a decade, uh, which is a little bit hard to believe, and was serving for years within the church before that uh, as a non-staff uh, leader uh, in our church back in Portland. And uh, honestly, being a pastor uh, can be a difficult thing. It's, it has its own unique uh, joys and its own unique burdens. It comes with, and some of you in the room have been pastors and, and know this, that when you step into that space, uh, it comes with a certain level of spiritual warfare and opposition uh, and unique pressures that you sense or even put on yourself uh, as you go. And all of those things uh, it are, are okay. That's It's kind of um, part of the call. Some of it is is just part of the natural weight 
of being in ministry. Uh, but over time, those things can begin to wear on you. Uh, and so we, uh, you may have heard the analogy of death by a thousand paper cuts. Uh, and I hate that analogy because I just hate paper cuts. Uh, but uh, we've been really fortunate, honestly, at the place that I started pastoring in Portland and the seven years now that we've been uh, planting and pastoring this church, we've been so, so fortunate uh, in the people and situations that we've had uh, the privilege of, of pastoring in. So we're really grateful for that. Um, but even when you uh, are pastoring beautiful communities in good places, there's still this sort of slow wearing down that happens over time. Uh, when you're in that position and feeling some of that pressure and just in a position of pouring out all the time, week in and week out, uh, and little things happen along the way that don't necessarily feel traumatic uh, in the moment. It just feels like, oh no, this is part of you know church and church planting and, and life with God. Uh, but whatever it is, maybe somebody's angry at you and, and decides to leave the church. And so you process that, but usually it gets processed in a shallow way in the moment. Okay, Lord, I trust it to you. You're on the throne. Help me to just love this person and bless this person who's angry with me or who's leaving over this or that. Uh, but typically, because of the way things work in the trenches, and this is true in other professions as well, you just kind of um, touch on it and then keep moving. Uh, and sometimes you don't process sort of the, the deeper pain or the deeper burden that comes along with that. But then that can get compounded over time with thing after thing after thing uh, that, that uh, they begin to add up uh, over the years. And so uh, if you're not careful, you can begin to accumulate and sort of um, carry around this extra weight uh, that Jesus didn't ask us to carry. Uh, saying, no, I didn't ask you to take those things personally or to carry that or uh, whatever it is. And uh, you end up with things that, whether you recognize it or not, need healing in the presence of the Lord. And I don't want to make it sound like that's unique to being a pastor. I think we all have these things in life, right, that, we, that get accumulated. But we, if we don't make the time and space to actually sort them out with the Lord, to find deeper healing and release, they begin to compound and affect us over time. So part of our sabbatical, uh, in particular, the first third of our sabbatical is going to be focused on that, and sort of restoration, healing, processing, potentially some counseling, like whatever it looks like to come to a place of uh, releasing things that God hasn't asked us to carry, uh, healing of wounds and things from the past, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, my hope is to be in ministry for the next 40 years. That's my, uh, that's, that's the vision. I, f I feel like that's God's vision. He can tell me otherwise. Uh, but that's my hope is to be serving in ministry in the kingdom of God uh, for the next 40 years, if I even live that long. Uh, but if we're going to last the decades um, as a family in that position, we have to step back every once in a while along the way and create that time and space for healing and restoration. Uh, and essentially say, Lord, I, I cannot uh, continue to serve effectively uh, and uh, in the best way that I can uh, if I'm hauling this stuff around from the past or if, I'm, if I feel like I'm hitting some sort of uh, invisible ceiling or stuck in certain ruts and patterns of thinking and uh, discipleship. So we're, we're looking to intentionally place ourselves 
uh, in an environment of healing and restoration and growth. And this is a unique moment for us to do that uh, apart from uh, the weekly rhythms of the church and sort of carrying that uh, vision and everything that comes along with it. Uh, so uh, there's, there's that aspect of healing from disappointments, from crushed dreams, from uh, times that maybe we felt uh, disappointed or hurt uh, or whatever it was uh, from the past. We're praying, we're processing, we're healing, we're releasing. That's a lot of the first third. Uh, the second third uh, that, we, that we want to engage in is uh, waking up to the present. So in that stage, we're really spending quality time uh, before the Lord and with one another as a family, getting out and doing things that we um, can't do when we're in sort of the, the weekly rhythms of pastoring uh, and things that will help us connect with God and connect with one another uh, and enjoy Him and who He is. Uh, we want to invest in our discipleship with Him, in our relationship with Him. We want to invest in our marriage as it is right now. Uh, we want to invest in our kids uh, as they are right now. Uh, we want to meet with God in real time and allow God uh, to build us up and to fill us and uh, to give us a fresh sense of vision and motivation uh, for what lies ahead. We want to practice being with God in the present moment. Um, and I think all of us kind of have to think about what does it look like to be with God in the present moment? Because our, our default sometimes, some of us live in the past and are always dwelling on that and being shaped by that, maybe more than we should. Uh, others of us uh, have the opposite problem. We're dwelling in the future, always thinking about what's next or what I have to do tonight or tomorrow or next year or whatever it is. Uh, Jesus wants, to be, wants us to be with him in the present. Uh, and so we really want to um, take some time to be in that place with him. I was only a pastor for about six months when I realized that my Bible reading had changed. That for years, as you know, a follower of Jesus, I had read the Bible for like, Lord, what do you want to speak to me? How do you want to shape my worldview? How do you want to maybe encourage me or challenge me today? Uh, whatever it is. But I realized after a few months of being a pastor that all of my reading and even a lot of my prayer time and engaging with God all became, all started happening in the context of ministry. So I'm just reading Exodus 32 or whatever, but I'm actually thinking about my next teaching or the next teaching series or this book I want to write or this hurting person that I'm, I'm going to be meeting later in the afternoon. Like everything was all of a sudden channeled through something else. It was like, all of my prayer times were praying over ministry stuff or, or people who needed uh, prayer, which is, which is great. But it was like, I can't even read the Bible just for me, like just to read the Bible and just be with God. Uh, there was something about being in ministry that was like, oh, I just need to receive something for the sake of others in, instead of just being with God, instead of just being a, a son of the Father. Uh, and so one of the things we want to do in sabbatical is, is get back uh, to that place of being with Jesus for the sake of being with Jesus, uh, of simply being a son or a daughter before him and not uh, receiving purely for the sake of turning around um, and, and giving that away or channeling it into 
ministry uh, immediately. Uh, and we see this in the life of Jesus, right? Like we're, we're, this is sort of a soft start to the series that you're going to be in this, this summer on practicing the way of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus, so, and, and his disciples, we want to learn to live as he lived in order to um, experience what the life that he experienced. And one of the things that we notice is, I mean, Jesus had a potent and powerful ministry. And when you read the Gospels, it's kind of like the highlight reel. You know, even John, as we finished that, that series, said, oh, there's so many other things Jesus did. These are just some of the highlights. These are just the things the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart to pass on to you. So there were so many things that Jesus was, was doing and saying. We kind of have the highlights of those in the Gospels, everything that we need, but the highlight reel. And so we, we're flipping through, and it's like, oh, my gosh, he's He's giving these amazing teachings, and he's, and he's overturning tables in the temple, and then he's healing this blind person, and then he's raising the dead, and it just, uh, what we typically see is all of the action, but even within the Gospels, uh, they, they make a point in between stories. They just have these little lines like, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to be with his heavenly Father. Then it moves on. It's like one line that captures hours and hours and days of of Jesus' life packed into these quiet moments. He would often go into the wilderness to be with his heavenly Father, sometimes for hours early in the morning, sometimes for days at a time on a mountain or, or out in the desert, uh, sometimes for 40 days straight. He would go and just be in the desert or in the wilderness or the forest or the lonely place with his heavenly father. And I think that's actually where a lot of the, um, the potency and the power of his ministry comes from. It's from the time that he spent with the father in the lonely place. And I, I always imagine being one of the disciples and how frustrated I would be. I'd be like, Lord, you're, there's momentum. People know about you. They're lining up at the door. Doors are opening all over the place. Like, just, just let's keep going. Let's keep healing. Let's keep doing the good stuff that you're doing. He says, no, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going out. It's, the word is eremos in the Greek, the, it, into the wild place, into the lonely place to be with my heavenly father. I, I'll see you in a month and a half. Like, what are you talking about? Like, there, like, it would have been inconceivable to me as a disciple, and yet that's what we see. That's one of the big rhythms that we see in the life of Jesus is these times of silence and solitude, these times of going into the wilderness to be with his heavenly Father before coming back to pour out again uh, and to heal and to raise the dead and to do the things that Jesus was doing. Uh, in the last 10 years of ministry, I think the longest we've been away is maybe two weeks. And usually that's in the context of like international travel and ministering in some other place. So this, this sabbatical for me and for us, I think represents uh, this sort of once in a decade, maybe once in a lifetime moment. I don't know if I'll ever get one of these again, uh, but it's, it's this once in a decade moment of being able to go into the wilderness and be with our heavenly father. Uh, to, to slow down, to breathe, to be a son, to be a daughter, uh, and to be with him uh, in, the, in the Aremos, in the desert place, uh, as, a, as a means of practicing the way of Jesus and doing some of the things that he did. Uh, ironically, 
Uh, the one big trip that we want to take during the sabbatical is to the desert uh, of all places. We're planning to road trip down to New Mexico. And then for those of you who know Matt Karsh, who helped co-plant the church with me years ago, uh, they live down there now. And uh, are, we are attempting to uh, mountain bike 700 miles through the desert uh, in, in New Mexico. Uh, and, and attempting is the right word uh, for, for what we're doing there. Uh, you should pray for us. Um, neither of us have done anything like that before, but we're going to be fine. <laughs> Honey, we're, we're going to live. Um, where were we? The desert, the desert. Uh, being a son or a daughter, it's an opportunity for us to come before the father as a son or a daughter and just be with him. If you remember the story of Jesus at his baptism, uh, the, the spirit descends, the voice of the father speaks over him. Here is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, and we all need to hear that voice spoken over us. That is the voice that the father speaks over you. Here is my son. Here is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, but people over the ages have, I think, correctly pointed out that that's actually the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it's the center of his ministry, that he's not striving, that he's not trying to earn the Father's love. There's, oh, if I heal the right number of people, if I do this or that, the Father. No, from the beginning, before he's done anything in his ministry and, and public uh, calling, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so all of us are intended to live from that place of saying, the Father is already delighting over me as a son or a daughter. I'm going to live out of that. Whatever comes, whatever gifts of the Spirit, whatever healing, whatever sharing of the gospel, whatever God calls me to in, in my nine-to-five job, whatever He has for you in your life, it all is done out of this place of being loved. I'm already loved by my Heavenly Father. But it's amazing to me how often uh, in ministry, we can slowly, subtly slip out of that, out of that sweet place of saying, before I did anything, before I healed anyone, before I lifted a finger, my heavenly Father was delighting over me. And so that's one of the, the many things that we want to see happen in this sabbatical is coming back into that sweet place of being with the Father, having Him delight over us and saying, Lord, whatever we do, needs to come out of that place, needs to be born out of that place uh, of, of just sitting under the Father's blessing. Um, another thing that we uh, want to do during this sabbatical time is uh, take time to really uh, accept life as it is, uh, which is, sounds like an odd phrase. Um, some of you here last Sunday when we ended the Gospel of John and talked about stage theory, uh, if not, you're, you're welcome to go back and listen to the podcast. But basically, John ends his gospel with Jesus speaking over Peter about the first half of his life when you were young and the second half of his life when you are old. And what the differences are in discipleship between the first half of life and the second half of life. And I think that Jesus is actually meeting Peter in the transition between the two and what we would call the valley between the first mountain of life and the second mountain of life. Uh, what we often call the midlife crisis. Uh, and I shared last Sunday that in some ways, I think my wife and I are, are in that valley or are entering that time. 
Uh, and, and I don't really like the, the language of crisis, midlife crisis. Uh, for some people, it, it really takes on that magnitude. Uh, our family life is great right now. Uh, I think our marriage is the best that it's possibly, that it's been, perhaps since we've been married. My wife might disagree. I don't know. Uh, you can chat with her afterward. Uh, I hope I'm not clueless, but I think that's true. Uh, but honestly, like in some ways, we're like, we're in a good place. And yet we all, we still have that sense of being between the two mountains in this valley of like uh, transition between the first half of life and the second half of life. Uh, and, and we want to use this sabbatical as, as extra momentum to shift from one to the other. Uh, you can almost think, uh, I, I tend to think of this almost like a car. Uh, I bought my first car like sight unseen without through someone else. And I didn't realize when I bought it that it was a stick shift. Like true story, it like showed up and I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I don't know how to drive a stick shift. And I just purchased this car. Uh, and, and, but you know, if you've ever like learned how to drive a stick, that there's this, this moment, like, you know, when you need to shift to the next gear, if the RPMs start ramping up and the engine starts feeling like it's straining, then what do you do in that moment? If you don't drive a stick, I'm sorry, this might, this might just go right over your head. But it, 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 what happens is that the engine is straining, the RPMs start rising up. So what you do is you pop the clutch, you disengage the engine for a moment, and then you shift to the next gear. And then you slowly allow the engine to re-engage and power the car forward. Uh, and in a sense, I, I think that's one of the things that God wants to do with us during these next couple months and, and this sabbatical. It's, it almost feels like we're in second gear, the car is moving, and we could continue to do this and continue to drive in second gear, but the car, no matter how hard we press down the gas pedal right now, the car's not going to go any faster than it's going, and there's a sense of like the RPMs are pretty high, and uh, it's a really good time for us to kind of pop the clutch, to disengage from the engine in order to shift into the next gear and re-engage uh, at what we hope is going to be sort of a, a, a new level of discipleship uh, as we step onto uh, the second mountain. Uh, we could keep going at this pace, but it'll actually be better, you know, when you're driving a stick to, to do that, to shift gears, and then you can actually, the car will actually run better uh, moving forward. Uh, if you want to think of another uh, sort of car analogy, uh, and this applies to everyone, uh, every once in a while, whatever it is, once a year, twice a year, uh, hopefully at least once a year, you usually have to get your car serviced, right? So in that day-to-day, -day, you jump in your car, you drive around, you don't really think about it. But once a year or so, uh, you have to pull the car over and take it off the road and, and pop open the hood. And then it's, if you do it yourself, especially, it's this very like kind of dirty, grungy job. It's, it's the least fun part of car ownership right? Is popping the hood and changing the oil and wiping stuff down and oh, swapping out this part or whatever it is. Uh, but you have a choice. You know, uh, those of you who own a car, you have a choice. Like you can keep driving and driving and driving and wait for something to sort of blow up or catch on fire or just break down on, on the side of the highway. Or you can just say, hey, preemptively, before something lights on fire, uh, why don't we pull the car over and pop the hood and change the oil and swap those fluids and do whatever it is, uh, even though that's not very fun. 
And so there is an element of what we're about to enter into. It's not all fun and games. Uh, it, it's the difficult, introspective work of allowing God into the deep places of our hearts and saying, Lord, would you drain this oil and would you swap this out? And can we do this stuff that you can only do when the car is pulled off the road? Uh, sadly, uh, I've heard different studies, but they all place uh, they all place the number somewhere between 20 and 30% of leaders in the kingdom of God end well. So 30% is the high end that I've read. 30% of leaders and pastors end well. That means that 70% burn out or fall into moral failure or have some sort of thing happen that, that derails them, that keeps them from ending their race well. Uh, that's a really sobering percentage in my mind. Uh, but my wife and I, we want to be in that 30% that, that make it through the next 40 years, that cross that finish line, that end well. Uh, and, and part of that means every once in a while, once a decade or whatever it is, we got we to gotta take the car off the road and do the deep introspective work that God's calling us to do uh, as a preemptive thing rather than like, hey, everything looks good. Let's just keep driving and wait for you know, smoke to start coming out of, out of the hood or whatever. Uh, we, we'd rather do it on the front end preemptively uh, than on the back end reactively uh, after things are uh, blowing up. So uh, in a sense, we're shifting gears. In another sense, we're uh, sort of getting the car uh, serviced, so to speak, uh, and doing that, that work. Uh, but we would appreciate your prayers because that it is a difficult work, like allowing Jesus into the deepest places and trust structures in, in the, the depths of your soul, we all know is a difficult thing. It's easier and safer to just kind of stay on the surface and just kind of skim along and just keep doing what we're doing, to get in our rhythm and not think about it. Uh, and so I'm very excited for what's to come. But the, the first third or even the first two thirds, I think there's going to be some really difficult moments in there uh, of just being sort of like naked and vulnerable, spiritually speaking, you know, before the Lord. And just saying like, Lord, this is, this is it. This is like all of me. I'm letting you into those deep places that I don't even really want to look or think about when I'm in the day to day. So it's a painful journey, a difficult journey, but I think a necessary one. And not everybody can take a sabbatical. Um, I, I'm slightly envious of teachers, but only in the summertime when they're off. Uh, you guys actually have a really hard job, but like some of you have like summers off and you can do, hey, we can do something like a sabbatical. Uh, others of us can't. But even when it comes to silence and solitude, getting away for a weekend, uh, getting away for a couple hours on a Wednesday afternoon, I think as disciples of Jesus, we shy away from those things. Because it's really uncomfortable to like sit before God in silence and just say, like, here's my stuff. And just be there with God. Like that, that is an uncomfortable thing. And so whatever it is, whatever rhythms you can mimic from the life of Jesus in terms of silence and solitude and time in the wilderness, whatever the time frame looks like in your season of life, I'd encourage you to do that to allow God to start working on those deep things that sometimes we can't even put words to. Lord, I just feel this anxiety. 
I just feel this fear. I just feel this inadequacy. I just feel this whatever it is that's keeping me from just the rich and abundant life that Jesus experienced and that he offers us. A lot of that stuff gets sorted out in the difficulty of the, of the eremos, of the wilderness, of silence and solitude. Uh, the place that we need so much and yet we're afraid to go at the same time. Uh, so for us personally, the, the first third and the middle third are going to have a lot of that. And then the final third, uh, we're sort of turning the corner uh, and um, we want to emerge from our sabbatical time with fresh dreams and fresh clarity about who we are and what God is calling us to. And because uh, my default is very future-oriented, um, I'm, I'm excited for that, or maybe more excited than I should be, to be seeking God for what is to come. Uh, I'm anticipating that being uh, the most sort of rewarding and exciting part for me, the final third, where we're sort of turning that corner. We've hopefully found some sort of healing and restoration and allowed God into the deeper places and contours of our souls. We've recentered our identity in Christ and we're in the present with him. And then we're turning the corner and saying, Lord, as, as what does the second mountain look like? What are the things that you're calling us to be and do as we look to the next decade or even the second half of life? What sort of people do you want us to be? And what do you want us to lean into? We've processed the last 10 years. Lord, what are some of your thoughts for the next 10 years? Uh, and, and we're excited for that uh, as well. Um, shortly after the, the elders kind of came to me with this idea of a sabbatical, uh, one of our other leaders, uh, an amazing uh, couple, J.R. and Janny, uh, some of you know them, they're, they're leading the church in Helena. Uh, they had, this was you know, right on the heels of our conversation with the elders, they had uh, what I would describe as sort of an emergency sabbatical. If you go back to the car analogy, like, do you want to service the car before it breaks down or do you want to wait till it's like breaking down and just, you know, pull it off the highway and get it towed somewhere? Uh, theirs was more like the latter. And this, this is, they would, I think, use some of that same language. Uh, and it was like, okay, we're, we're like, this is like, we, we're like crashing and burning in, in the midst of leading this church. I don't, this could be the end for us. I don't know if we're going to make it. And so the elders and some of the other regions beyond global leaders really stepped in and said, we got to take care of these guys. You have like two weeks notice, like you're out of here. You're going on sabbatical. That's what I would call an emergency sabbatical. It wasn't really planned out in the future, but he came out of that totally different and refreshed and, and ready for, for more years of ministry. Uh, they, they're, in, I think, in, in a really sweet place right now. We got to see them over these last few days. Uh, and, and I asked him coming out of his sabbatical, hey, I, I've recently been approved. A year from now, I'm going on sabbatical. Do you have, like, what was it like? You know, do you have any advice? And he said, the number one thing I would recommend is that you connect with uh, this sabbatical coach that I had like during my time. And I said, all right, awesome. What, what's that? Like, what's a sabbatical coach? Like, is that a, is that a, th a thing? Uh, apparently it's a thing. Uh, and he's, he's sort of like a, a counselor, pastor of pastors, sort of like, imagine like Yoda, but like just more obviously Christian uh, than Yoda is. Sort of this like, you know, older, wiser voice who's just like, oh, here's what you need to do. 
Um, and so we've been, we've been walking with him actually over the course of this last year, sort of preparing, like, what is this even about? What's supposed to happen when we go into this time? Uh, and one of the things that he said that really struck me is he said, when you get to the final third and you start thinking about the future, you're asking God, Lord, what world do you want me to take? Um, you could almost use that language of second mountain, like, Lord, what does the second mountain look like? What are you calling me to scale and take on in the second half of life? And he said, you have two choices. You can either ask God and seek him and say, Lord, what world are you asking me to take? Or he said, the world is going to take you. Like, if you don't take that on, and embrace it, the world is going to take you. And there are a lot of people who don't um, properly make that shift from the first mountain to the second mountain. They, they don't catch that vision of like, Lord, here's your call, here's, what, here's the world you're calling me to take. Uh, and if you don't get that, you can often flounder and just sort of stagnate and begin to just kind of go in circles and wander aimlessly in life. And, and the world wears you down, the world begins to take you. Uh, so that's really the question that we'll be asking in that final third uh, as, we, as we finish. Uh, we don't want to flounder around. We don't want to run back to the first mountain. For those of you who are here for the teaching last week, uh, we, we want to lean into what God has for us to own whatever it is that he's calling us to do. Uh, so over the course of these next few months, um, I am excited and nervous about the journey that we're going to be on uh, as a family. Uh, mostly excited, but as you know, that deep introspective work comes with a lot of unknowns and uncomfortable moments before the Lord. Uh, we're really anticipating God doing a lot during that time. And we're genuinely filled with expectation about what God's going to do here and through you guys and through this community during that time. Uh, it's, it's really interesting, uh, and Richard, hopefully you don't mind me sharing this, but we were chatting uh, maybe six months ago. I was chatting with Richard, who's one of the elders here, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know quite what to expect during this sabbatical time because River's Edge doesn't really uh, know itself apart from the Decens, which is our last name if you're new. or that, that's The Decens, our family. Uh, and, and in a sense, it's true. Like we've been here, I've preached um, the, the vast majority of Sundays. I've been teaching since we planted the church back in 2016. Uh, we don't, does the church really know itself apart from our family? And I, I was thinking about that as he said it. And then I realized in the moment, you know what? I think I can say that the reverse is also true. That I'm not really sure if we know ourselves apart from the role that we play at River's Edge. Uh, and so I think this summer is going to be important for all of us for that reason. That's one of the things God's going to be working out, is um, showing you guys as a community, helping you find your footing and your identity uh, apart from our family, which I think is actually really good and really healthy, uh, and allowing us to do the same thing, which is really good and really healthy. Uh, in this season. So I'm uh, excited for you guys and what's going to happen. As I mentioned, uh, most of the summer is going to be spent in this series on practicing the way of Jesus. Uh, we have some amazing teachers here at River's Edge. 
who are going to be sharing during that time. There's also going to be people visiting uh, from Montana and New Mexico and South Africa and other um, connections that we have uh, across uh, the regions beyond family. And, and I love the topic. And the, like, part of me is like, oh, but I kind of want to be here and like, uh, be a part of it. And I know like, it, that's not the point of sabbatical. We ha we're supposed to stuff away. That would undermine everything I've just said over the last 30 minutes. Um, but during that time, we really are intentionally stepping back uh, and recentering our, our identity in Christ. You won't really hear from us or um, see us much uh, during these next couple months, but just know that we'll be praying for you, and we have a ton of expectation about what this summer is going to look like, and you can be praying for us as well. Uh, and I'd encourage you, especially this summer more than most, to really lean in to whatever gifting God has given you. Uh, and we've talked in the past about being a participatory body, the reality that Jesus has put something in every single one of you that everybody else in the body is meant to benefit from. Uh, and so as we close, uh, I, I just want to read this over you as the final sort of verses uh, the, the, the thing I'm praying over you as we head into the wilderness. Uh, and these verses are from uh, Romans chapter 12. Paul writes this. He says, uh, Just as each, uh, as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, heart, toes, liver, eyes, whatever, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love that language. Uh, we each have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then lean in and serve. If it's teaching, then teach uh, to the best of your ability. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is leading, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And of course, that's just a sampling of the gifts that God has placed in you and in us and in the body. And so I think that, that would be my parting encouragement is just to own that, to say like, Lord, I'm not good at everything. None of us is good at everything. But, I, but I, I have a grace for this specific thing. And this summer, I, I'm just going to lean in. I'm just going to share that. I'm just going to bring the one thing I've got or the two things I've got, recognizing that you belong to everyone else in the body of Christ, globally, but, but also locally. Saying we belong to each other. I'm just going to bring and contribute uh, what I have, participate in the body uh, over these next few months. Uh, and as you do, you're going to be in good hands. Uh, there's some really good things. I'd encourage you uh, to think intentionally uh, about the way you're living and the way that Jesus lived and what it looks like to receive more of his grace, more of his presence, more of his power through structuring your life intentionally and living as Jesus lived, uh, which is what you're going to be exploring uh, over these next few months. Uh, so pray for us. Uh, we're going to be praying for you, and we're excited for uh, what God's going to do uh, before we all uh, reconnect in September. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then we'll go from there. 